are the content rebels. We've got zero time for busy work that masquerades as marketing, and we're done with losing the impact of our big message just to satisfy some SEO or social media algorithm rules. This is a show about marketing for established soloish entrepreneurs who want to build real relationships with clients online. Join me each week as we make your content work for you. Well, hello, friends. Today, we are going to be talking about content optimization, and we're doing it with Zoe Hawkins. She is a former video game and tech journalist turned content marketer. She's got 10 years of experience with content that informs, engages, and delights the target audience. And then beyond her work at Sumo Logic, she's an accomplished speaker, inspiring crowds on topics such as content marketing, multicultural communication, and women in tech. And friends, this is the conversation I've been waiting several months for. I didn't know it. I didn't know it until we had it. But I love conversations where we find so much common ground and where we can springboard from each other's ideas. And this was it. So join me and Zoe as we talk about how to make more with the content you already have. All right, Zoe, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm really excited about this. Well, longtime listeners will know. I get a lot of podcast submissions and I sometimes make fun of them because I get so many ones that are are awful and bad. And then when I, <laughs> I read yours, I was like, oh, well, one, you know, they can follow instructions. That's great. But, uh, but also, this is perfect. It's such a good compliment to everything that we've been talking on this show for, you know, the last year or so. And I'm I'm so excited that the audience gets to, to hear more about you. So with that little, you know, mini puffed up interview show or like <laughs> intro, shall we say, um, I I want for you to just kind of say how you got to where you are and then we'll start talking about actual content optimization. Awesome. Yeah. So I came to content marketing via journalism. I was a video game and tech journalist for about four or five years. Dream job, got to like fly around the world, play video games and write about it. Like what could be better? But then, you know, made a person and decided I needed to have a a quote unquote real job and moved into content marketing. And so What was really cool about it was, you know, I kind of jumped right in and I was creating content and I was, you know, doing SEO and, you know, doing all the things the way that you do. But then my favorite part really ended up being going back and fixing atrocious content that I would find on company websites because it's all, everybody has it. Like everybody has what I'm gently calling editorial debt, what I often refer to as space garbage. But like you write a blog or you write a a LinkedIn post, you know, you put something out there into the world and you're not going to get it right right away. And that's okay. Like writing is thinking, writing is figuring it out. And so that's when I started really going back into this idea of content optimization and what do we look for in terms of things that we should just like burn it down and start over and what is what is worth fixing and really, you know, polishing up. The editorial debt term was so intriguing to me. I think I, it's like one of those things where you're like, huh, wait, oh, and I was so excited about it because I myself have plenty of that on my website still. I, I know it's there. I don't do anything about it, but you know, like I started more from a branding point of view uh, when I started this podcast even, and I have a lot of really well-ranked, you know, pages and posts that I'm not going to do anything with it at this point. And I am constantly sitting here and I'm like, 
do I just let them sit there bringing people to my website that I can't ultimately help them in the end because I don't do that kind of work anymore or never did. It was, you know, a little bit too, you know, squirrel rabbit path, you know, and all that. Or, or, or do I do something with it? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it really depends like how out of left field the piece is, you know, like if it's kind of like you're on the path and there's a squirrel, but it's still like close to, you know, tangentially related to kind of like the overall domain, the overall topic, keep it, I think, but try and weave in some links or some resources so that let's say someone finds your post because it's highly rated and, you know, you clearly wrote something awesome to begin with, you know, to best serve them maybe you say like this is not my wheelhouse like this is not where I play anymore but like here are some people you should listen to like here's where to go next on your journey and like use it as a a jumping off pad to like send them in the right direction or if it's something that maybe you discussed and realized you didn't want to do anymore like send them to that podcast episode, like take them on that journey with you of saying like, I used to think this mattered, but then I figured out it doesn't like you should too. <laughs> like Take them, take them like off the squirrel back on the path with you. So that's, you know, that's kind of one way of thinking about it with like, especially content that's already ranking and doing well. If it's not really related to what you want to be doing anymore or what you ever did, you know, just kind of point the reader back in a a direction that's not going to leave them like, oh, that was helpful, but now I don't know what to do. Like, send them somewhere where then they have like a fulfilled journey, whatever that looks like. I love that. So thanks, first of all. I mean, from a very selfish point of view, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I'm going to be reading not just between the lines here, but like reading between probably lots of really big circles. (laughs) You know, you, you made a human and it was time to get a quote unquote, you know, real job. I will, of course, challenge that yes. video game journalism job. Was it terrible. was very oh. much a real job. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I totally understand. I was in a similar situation. I have my youngest is now five. But when I got pregnant with him, I was like, I don't want to be working like this. Mm-hmm. I changed my business like almost a complete 180, just how I had been doing things to how I started doing things. And I'm, I'm getting the feeling that you kind of were like the same way, right? Like you, you have other needs now. You're not just working you're not just fulfilling your own personal, yes, financial, but also like, you know, personal goal needs. And I just wanted to make sure at that point that if I was going to be putting time into marketing and content marketing being one of those things, I wanted to make sure that it was really, really worth it. And I think that's why the idea of content optimization appeals to me so much. I do put a lot of work into the content I create, both for my clients and for my own business. And you know, sometimes I'm like, but but I worked so hard on that. It should be doing more. And it, there's like this weird kind of gap where I'm like, I don't want to change it too much, but what do I do at this point? Like it should be doing more. I know deep in my heart, it's a good piece and it's just not performing that way. Yeah. And so that's where I think there's a lot of different ways that you can take it. Like there are some kind of like minimum benchmarks that I put on a lot of content optimization where I'm like the first time around like did it have a a great image does it have like is it really easy to read and super skimmable you know like the the kind of basic stuff we talk about but sometimes we forget when we're in like a big push to get a piece out there where it's like oh the header image is fine but it's placeholder we'll come back to it and then like three months later you're like oh we never came back to it like we should do that so that's one thing with like content optimization that you you can do is like make it more visual make it 
more interactive, you know, retool your H2s or your subheadings, whatever you want to call them. Like, you know, go back and kind of fix those up to make it easier to read. Maybe evaluate how you were sharing it out. Like it could be the kind of thing where you want to share it out differently on social. Maybe it needs to be a thread or a carousel. You know, the, the algorithm is always changing on social. So like mix it up with how you repost it and reshare it so that it, it gets another go. And then I also really, I have really fallen in love with a few tools that use AI or stuff like that to speed up some of like the SEO optimization. So it's not drastically changing your content at all. Like your story is still there. Everything is still there. But like there's one that I use that what's really nice is it'll give you like a list of like 30 to 50 keywords and how often you might want to use them in your piece. And so you're able to kind of say like, oh, I completely, you know, as the expert, like you can read through that list and you don't have to just like copy paste the list into your art that does nothing, we know. Um, but, you know, it gives you a sense of like, oh, I totally forgot about like this one aspect of the topic that I just didn't even cover in this piece. Like maybe you want to add that in so that you can use those keywords or maybe you purposefully left it out and you're like, okay, this is maybe why it's not you know, hitting that one to three spot on Google, like I'm trying to rank for a shorter term keyword than maybe I'm actually writing for, like maybe I'm being more specific, which is a good thing, I think. But if you're measuring yourself up against that shorter tail keyword, you're not gonna, you're not hitting enough to really rank for it. So stuff like that, that can kind of help you re-gauge, like what am I really optimizing for? Like, what is the goal here? Is it to show up in search? Is it to be like more shareable on social? Is it like, you know, to get that like quick hit, that quick like viral sensation or more of an evergreen vibe? You know, like, I think that's the other thing with content optimization is when you revisit the piece, you can be a bit more honest with yourself about like, okay, is this an SEO play? Is this a social play? Like, you know, what am I actually trying to optimize for? You know, is it a high converting piece? Like maybe it doesn't get a ton of traffic, but everyone who lands there clicks whatever you're trying to get them to click. And so you just got to play around with that a little bit in terms of like, what is what is the real goal with that piece? I love what you just said there that sometimes when you can come back to it at a later date, it's easier to be more honest with yourself because I think a lot of us fall into the trap of, we create something and we're like, no, no, it's going to be great on social and it's going to rank well on SEO. And and that's not impossible, but the likelihood is, you know, a considerable amount less than than if you just chose one, right? And I have definite pieces and definite podcast episodes, definite blog posts that do very well when I talk about them on social, but they're never going to be good on SEO. It's not what that piece was intended for. It's not going to be one keyword rich. It's really more about an idea rather than a topic covering type, you know, piece, right? Right. And I like those. I like, I mean, I'm like a deep thinker, deep like conjecture kind of like, let's weave through here. Let's let's make all these analogies. But those don't tend to do super well in terms of the SEO land. So <laughs> I do need that reminder just to be honest with myself. Like that was never the intent of this piece. I use other SEO pieces to point to this one and it works really well that way. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it, it's funny, I've been down like a very weird like etymology word kind of like wordplay thing but like I think about optimization and it's different from proofreading but I kind of almost want to change the meaning of proofreading because like proofreading it goes back to like typesetting and correcting errors and stuff like that but I was thinking about it 
I'm not a baker, but like I end up falling down TikTok rabbit holes of sourdough bread and things like that. Like I am all in on watching other people bake. (laughs) And this idea of proofing of like, you make the dough, you put everything in, and then it just takes time and things will bubble up to the surface. And then you come back and you punch it again. And then it bubbles up again and then it's ready to bake. And I kind of think about writing in a similar way, like Sometimes you just got to put something down or, you know, any sort of content creation. You just need to get a draft out there. You need to have something to work with and then kind of leave it and give it time to bubble and and do its thing and come back and rework it and play with it a little bit and then leave it again. And then you'll kind of have a sense of like, oh, this is its this is what it's supposed to look like. This is where it's ready to really be out in the world. And, you know. That can be in public. That can be like you've already published and you go back and optimize or that could be in private. But like, I think no matter what, we all need a little bit of time for for proofing in our work. That is such a brilliant analogy. I also, by the way, am not a baker, <laughs> but I've kind of like had to throw myself into that world recently. I'm an excellent cook. I just want to make that clear. But cooking is like throwing a little bit of this and throwing yeah. a little bit of that and you know baking is so scientific and I'm just not that person but my youngest is now gluten-free and dairy-free and like it's just if you can find something gluten-free it still has eggs in it most of the time so it's like okay I guess I'm learning how to make gluten-free pita bread today and I did that last week and I thankfully was doing it with my dad's wife around because she is a baker <laughs> I didn't actually it was like is this big enough it looks like I got bigger she's like Brittany that's like a quarter inch bigger you need to wait yeah like no I don't want I don't want I don't want to wait content to perform right now (laughs) right now make it bubble like (laughs) yeah exactly sometimes we just need the time and I mean I think about it even like you know the great Anne Handley like the queen of content marketing like she talks about writing is thinking and I think about it in terms of like AI and all these like shortcuts like you can get there faster you can do this you can do that which is super helpful and I use it like I use I use all the tools that I can get but there is a certain aspect of like literal pen to paper like I take out my fountain pen I have my fancy stationery that I love because you know stationary kid never died you know <laughs> never grew out of that stage and literally like writing something by hand and then typing it up and then reworking it like just that process can help me refine my thinking and do better like make better content just because it had time to really proof along the way I love that so much by the time this episode's airs, a different episode will have already been published, Thought Leadership in the Age of AI. And I talk a little bit about the same thing, about the the power of thinking and how, you know, we can feed our ideas into AI and create really good content. Like that is a wonderful case use for, for generative AI. But if we don't have the ideas to feed into it, it's just going to spew out commodity content that anyone can do. And that's not helping the world. That's not that's not us actually aiding in that. And I think that's one of the reasons why this whole topic is so interesting to me. You know, like we've already put our ideas out there. We've already created this stuff that we know can help people. We just need to do that little, those fine tuning things. And I think, I think for me, at least one is just knowing I need to dedicate time to actually going back because that's not something that's in my workflow. So so that's, I guess, my question for you. How how do you, in your own workflow or when you're working with clients, 
like kind of parse out I put this much time into this and then I do that like like what's the way that works for you at least yeah I mean it's it's varied at different times so like you know when I when I was at a startup I remember I was I joined at like an awkward time and so we were it was like a December time period where I was working and everybody else was gone but it was like all right I gotta find work to do and I actually went back and did like an optimization project through all of our technical docs and I knew I couldn't touch any of the copy so all I did was optimize like titles and meta descriptions and that was it and like that was like a one week little project that I was able to do, set it and forget it. And by like March, the following year, docs were like one of our biggest SEO drivers. And I was like, I won, you know, like stuff like that. That's great. But I think what I'm seeing as well, like it depends on the size of your editorial debt, you know, like sometimes it can feel really daunting. Like I have, you know, a hundred blogs, 200 blogs, 500 blogs that I want to go back and optimize. It's too much. Like it's way, way too much to think about initially. And so then I find it's easier to say like, okay, what is your current blog publishing cadence? Like maybe you do one a week. So if you can do one new piece a week and then one old, like one optimization piece a week, that might feel like workable or it might feel like too much. And then you say, okay, do one new piece a week. And then the next week go back and optimize a piece and just alternate back and forth. You know, I think a real part of this is recognizing like more is just more. You know, like sometimes we think we always have to be making something new and something fresh, but like if you can find a piece that's two years old that just needed some polish and you can republish that as new or as updated or however you want to work it, you know, that's sometimes so much more valuable because it's more thought out, it's better, better content, you know, all of the things we've talked about, about the value of optimizing, but it doesn't have to be like this big overhaul project where you do, you know, 50 pieces in a month, you know, and you you make it like a big, you know, Olympic effort. It can be, you know, a more consistent, you know, one a week or one a month or whatever your your cadence is as it as it stands right now, like to weave that in and get that win. Like I think that's the other thing is when you see pieces that you've gone back and fixed start performing better that's so motivating. And then you'll want to do more. Like I've seen old blogs that we go back and optimize, you know, get 4X, 10X the traffic. And all of a sudden you're like, if I did this with everything, like just imagine. And then you feel more motivated. And depending on the size of your team, like you get more buy-in from other people, like, okay, this does have value. It's worth the time. You know, let's put more into that. I'm curious what your opinion is going to be. So I occasionally re-air old podcast episodes. Now, I only started doing full blog posts for my podcast episodes maybe like three quarters of a year ago or so, something something around then. And some of my older episodes don't have all of that. So I've just been recreating a new post with the re-aired episode. I might have a new intro or outro, but it's more or less the same content, shall we say. But I'm creating the blog post to go with it when I do that re-air. Are you saying that it might be better for me to just replace the original post with my optimized content? And instead of, you know, it being, you know, episode, you know, 112, now it's episode 248. But I'm still using the same like URL and post as the original one. That would make more sense. That would make more sense. Like that would tell Google hey, look, I'm tending this garden. Like I'm not leaving stuff to just die once it's in the past, but like I'm going back, I'm keeping this content fresh. I'm finding reasons to repost. So yeah, I would say use the original URL. Good to know. 
I probably should have been doing that. So I learned something new today. No, you're good. I mean, and Google changes the rules all the time. So like this might be relevant now. And then, you know, the next time Google changes something, it's like, no, everything gets a fresh URL. But for now, it's like use your existing URLs, your existing pieces, and just, you know, add more protein to them, judge them up and and see what, what comes of it. I like that. Because I've always looked at re-airing episodes. Sometimes it's like I want that same concept to be given new life. Um, it's something I really believe strongly in. And I know that I did a good job on it last time. I just want to give it more more air, you know, this time. Other times it's like, hey, I actually don't have anything for this week. I'm, I'm not ready with a couple other things. So we're going to revisit something that I loved. And I don't really want to add more to it. But there's still a reason I want it out there. And I, I like the idea of actually reusing what I had in the past rather than trying to like recreate the whole deal. Yeah, I think that's great. And I mean, just being really like, you know, thinking about the listener, like, you know, a lot of people miss stuff. Like I think about myself, like I get busy, I miss out on things, I travel, like, you know, whatever it is where you you might have people who even super faithful, loyal listeners who've missed things or who started following you after that point. And, you know, it'll be good for them to to get exposed to that. Well, or even I was at my mastermind retreat a couple of weeks back and um, some of the the people there said, well, why don't you revisit your entire you know content framework in, in the Pine podcast episode? And I was like, well, I just did that a few months ago. And um, one of them's like, no, I listened to your show, but I don't remember that. I was like, well, you know, whenever I reference it, I always say, go back and listen to episode so-and-so. She's like, yeah, I'm never going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It was an eye opener for me. It just did not occur to me that someone would be like, no, 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 I know it's there. I'm just not going to go do it, re-air it. And I was like, okay, well, that takes some load off of me, actually. hundred percent. I'm the same. Like, if I think about the way I consume content, like, especially like audio content, it's in the shower or in the car. And like, I'm not near my phone. I like press play and get in the shower or I like put it on in my car play and then I'm driving and like, I only have limited maneuverability. And so, yeah, I mean, I become very set in my ways of like, oh, they mentioned a a previous episode. Oh, I didn't write it down because obviously I'm not near anything. Oh, well, like maybe I'll check the show notes and then the day moves on and then I don't. Of course, yeah, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) So I love that idea, like re-air it, you know, make it as easy as possible for people to get your best stuff. All right. So before we wrap up, we've talked a little bit about good ways on how we can start optimizing and, and choosing what to optimize. Do you have any hard and fast rules on what to not optimize? Yeah. So if you have content that you know is like out of date, like I have found old blogs on like company websites where it's like, you know, summarizing an event you went to three years ago, nobody's going to go back and read that. Like, you know, unless your event was like super controversial and like referenced in a Wikipedia article, like it's not, no one cares, you know? So something that was timely, but is no longer timely, get rid of it. I also look at pieces that have like zero links, zero domain authority, zero domain, like nothing around the topic, no keywords ranking. You know, those are some things, if it's super thin content, you know, like we used to write, you know, a few years back, it was kind of normal to post something that was like 200 words and be like, it's done, you know, like, we're not doing that anymore. It's probably either needs to be optimized or just removed from your site. And, and, you know, if it has some value to it in that short space, optimize it, but otherwise, just get rid of it. 
And then also anything that, you know, you, you talked a little bit about how like it's really off path from what you do. If you have pieces like that either aren't ranking or like truly do not serve you, like in terms of who you are and where you're trying to go, as painful as it can be to like lose out on some of that traffic, if it is ranking, like it's going to be better for you in the long run if you can be more focused and just say like, this has nothing to do with who I am and what I do. I'm going to remove it and just, you know, kill your darlings or whatever the the expression is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's painful, but sometimes you just have to do it of saying like this, this no longer serves anyone by having it here. Well, and it's, it's for me personally, it's, it gets a little bit annoying at times. I'll, you know, look at my, you know, console report and I'm like, I don't want them going to that page. I want them going to relevant pages on my website. And it like from like just like a mental load, right? It's a little bit annoying knowing that I'm getting traffic for things that I can't really do anything about anymore. Yeah. And so like, I think for those, it'll be better, you know, if you want to start testing the waters, like put a big banner at the top, like sending them where you want them to be. And then over time, just deprecate the page. Like it just isn't serving you. Well, not like downer of a note. <laughs> No, 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 it was good. We need, we need this. Burn down the library of Alexandria. No. Yeah. <laughs> but we we do need like these hard truths sometimes. And I'm, I'm a hundred percent guilty of like being like, but it brings this many people who immediately bounce. Of course, they're who not immediately bounce and want nothing to do with you. And it's like, you know, it's like going to a party and being like, oh, I want to rent a crowd. I want it to look fun. And it's like, just invite the people you actually want to talk to. Like, yeah. 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 No, exactly. Zoe, this has been an awesome conversation for me. Again, a little bit selfishly, but I think it is a a really good compliment to a lot of the things that we've spent. I mean, especially with the, the whole like shiny happy tactics series that I did at the beginning of the year where I was just poking holes in all of these like, you know, expert proven ways of things you have to do it this way. I, must I love, do, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love knowing that there are really good compliments to the things that we're talking about that that do matter. So thank you for for all of this. I will have links to your website and all of that in the show notes. But do you have anything fun coming up that you'd like to talk about? Oh, fun. Oh, put me on the spot. No, I mean, I'm just I am trying to get myself out there more on LinkedIn. So just follow me over there. I have a bunch of like, trying to speak in more places, do webinars, do podcasts, put myself out there, I'm, you know, doing all the things. So yeah, just the the LinkedIn and Twitter follow, although Twitter is such a nightmare right now. Like, I don't even know yeah. if it's worth, <laughs> worth sharing that handle, but just follow me on LinkedIn. It's fine. That works for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it's a good and worthy, you know, ask anyway. We're all probably working a little bit on getting ourselves out there. So let's help each other out there. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thanks, Zoe. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Thank you again so much to Zoe. I said it a couple times in the episode, but from a selfish point of view, this conversation was really good for me. I needed some ideas. I needed a kind of a, a springboard against which I could put those ideas. And Zoe provided that. I'm hoping that like me, she provided that for you as well. Let's all go find her on LinkedIn and let's do it. Let's raise the boat together. If you found value from this episode, there are two things you can do to thank me. The first is share it with a friend. If you enjoyed this episode, you learned something from it, odds are you know somebody who needs to hear this message. I do truly believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. And if you help that friend with something that they need to do, we're going to have less crappy marketers out there, which means less scams, and we get to help more people in those ways that we uniquely are meant to help them. 
The second thing you can do is leave a rating on whichever podcast app you are listening to the show on right now. Doing that helps me reach more people, getting, again, this same great information out there, and we all make a better, happier, effective, and ethical world as a result. Thanks so much. See you next week.